0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've come to the great feast tonight, the foretaste of the great feast in heaven. There's something significant, I believe, when a group of people share a meal together. This is true most often for us, right? When we get together with friends or family and we share food and drink and and have time just to spend with one another, there's something significant about that. This is true for Jesus and his disciples, who throughout Jesus' earthly ministry would share meals together of significance, of forgiveness. This is true especially in that last meal In the upper room, where there is certainly an intimacy and a love that Jesus has in the gathering of his church. And tonight, something amazing is going to happen, which happens every single time we share communion. When we share the Lord's Supper, we're transported through time and space, and we are sitting at the table with Jesus and his disciples. You know that famous painting from Michelangelo where they have all of the disciples on one side of the table? Well, I guess in a way it's because we're seated at the other side. We're there with the disciples in this meal. I have no idea how. God doesn't tell me how, God doesn't tell you how, but he says we share one meal with Jesus. And this meal isn't just for us to, to feast on so that we're full, this meal is for the forgiveness of sins. And on the last day that he was with his disciples, before he was crucified, he told them and us how to find true joy and certainly true joy is something I'm looking for all the time but will I find it in my family or friends will I find it in co-workers or companions or will I find it in one very specific place Jesus tells us true joy comes from dependence, obedience, and giving yourself away. It's the basis of our text this evening in John 15. Dependence, first of all, comes when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And he would say this over again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you bear fruit, Jesus, Jesus says, if you bear fruit, I will prune you. And a lot of times we get really excited about, about pruning because we think it's like, oh yeah, Jesus, please just prune me. And just take really small scissors and just make a little small snip and I'm, I'm all good. But sometimes the pruning is more substantial and it's more significant and a limb has to be taken off the tree so that the tree can keep bearing fruit, so that the vine can keep bearing fruit. True joy, Jesus says, true joy comes from dependence. Because you and I can't do it on our own. True joy, Jesus says, comes from obedience. John 15:10, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Dependence, obedience. My dad, all the time growing up, would say, trust and obey. Comes from that old hymn. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Trust that you can depend on God, that he will do what he says he does, and then obey. And dad always loved to to tell me what obeying meant. Right? Obedience has no caveats. Obedience has no escape routes. Obedience is doing what you're told to do without any shortcuts. I love shortcuts. I know. I know you love shortcuts. But obedience, obedience is is doing what we're told by God and doing it perfectly. And Christ's command to us is to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. To love as God has loved us. This is the command. And how is this done? Jesus tells us in verses 12 and 13, by giving yourself away. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the ultimate expression of love that we have from God that he's given us in Jesus that we can also then share with other people. We don't share our own reserve of love. We'd run out real quick. I do all the time if I'm only sharing what I have. But we don't share what we have. We share what God gives us in abundance. The overflowing, overwhelming capacity of his love. Which does not fade even when I fail over and over. You know, my kids, you might get two warnings. Maybe. God doesn't stop forgiving me. All the time he pours out his forgiveness on me and he shows me what this joy is. True joy. And he teaches the same lesson over and over and over again. You see, it's helpful when we look at true joy to see it as communal. True joy is something that we share with God but then also with each other. We receive from God and we share with each other. And it's this kind of joy which I think is going to cause people to look at us in a weird way. To look at us in a way that that they would think we're different because we do things that are different than the world does. It's this kind of joy which kind of defies the cultural definition of joy. Culture doesn't say depend on God. The culture doesn't say obey God. The culture doesn't say give yourself away. Culture says we can consume our way to joy. Give me more is what our culture says. And we do this in every aspect of our life. Have you ever gone to a buffet and and you have your plate And then you you realize, man, one plate isn't gonna be enough. And so you get a little dessert plate. And and then you have that dessert plate and you're like, two plates isn't gonna be enough. I'm probably gonna need a bowl. And so you get a bowl. And you just keep piling it on. More, give me more. And that's just at the buffet. Talk to me about entertainment, talk to me about drugs and sex, and popularity, and everything that the world would throw in front of us and say, this is what will give you joy, and it might, for a moment, before it is stolen away, because the joy that the world gives is not true joy, it's fading joy. Our culture says to avoid suffering at any cost, you can't be joyful if you're suffering. So give me what's mine. I'll do whatever I can to save what's mine and to cast off what's yours. I will sacrifice you at any cost, the world says. Because I don't care about you. I care about me. That's why politicians can't agree it's why we can't agree on, on some of the most fundamental things of what it means to share life with each other. Culture says you have to sacrifice others to save yourself. There's a, a false narrative, a, a false story going around about Millennials. I, I've heard it and I wanted to share it with you. I'm told that millennials are the first generation which was me first. But, but I, I have a surprise for you who aren't millennials. Every generation has been the me first generation going all the way back to Adam and Eve. The very first me first generation was when we ate the fruit. We said, not you, God, me first. My way first. We see this trickle down and we'll sacrifice anything. And even sometime, our, sometimes our own personal experiences show this to be true in our lives where, where true joy is hard to find impossible if we're the ones seeking it out i would say there's no map that would lead us to the treasure of true joy like a pirate searching for the x but god gives us his word and he shows us his way his way is jesus But when Jesus speaks to you, this word of true joy, the first question you may ask is, why should we believe Jesus? It's just a book. It was written by men. Some of the words in here are thousands of years old, and you're going to live your life on account of this? The world will tell you that's not true joy, but we, we don't find that joy on our own. Jesus delivers that joy to us. And the first thing, the first answer is the easiest answer. It's because Jesus says so. Why do you believe Jesus? Because his words testify about who he is. And tomorrow, we remember that he died. But death could not contain him. Death could not hold him down. He lives, and because he lives, we live. The easiest answer is Jesus said so, and he says these things I have spoken to you. That my joy might be in you. And that your joy might be full. Even when it's empty. Even when you hurt. Because you know there's more coming. Why should you believe Jesus? Because it's consistent with everything that he's done in the kingdom to this point. Even Spock would agree. This is consistent with God's kingdom logic. Can you do this? This is as wide as I can go. Not very wide. Here. Live long and prosper? Yeah, you can do it, Luke. I can't. Live long and prosper. That's the life, but that wasn't Jesus' life. And that's not always our life either. It may not be that we live long or prosper, until we see Jesus face to face. He tells us himself in John 16, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in my name, ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Why should you believe Jesus? Because this is what his kingdom looks like. In every word he ever speaks, he shows us this upside-down understanding. And the earliest followers of Jesus, they experienced this upside-down kind of joy. Sometimes I I like to to listen to folks occasionally, and I'll I'll hear from them uh, that that we're really, uh, in America, we're being persecuted as Christians. And I don't want to dismiss that, but I want to compare our present persecutions to the life and death scenarios that the disciples faced in the earliest day when they were being hunted by the Jews and the Romans. And crucified in Peter's case, upside down. And he said this before he died Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe him, and you would rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory when every single thing comes and confronts us in our lives with pain and suffering and grief, we can be continually reminded by God's Word that there is joy. And even in our painful experiences, we can know this true joy. You know, if given the option... I'm pretty sure every time I would cry Hosanna, right? We waved the palm branches on Sunday, knowing that the cross was coming, and yet still, in my case, I think in every situation, I would cry Hosanna, save me now, save me from the pain, save me from the present, save me now. But there are times when I will whisper, hallelujah. When I will proclaim, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Because we gather this night in the upper room with his true disciples searching for true joy. And that's exactly what God gives us. He doesn't give as the world gives. God gives you more. He gives you what's His. He gives you forever, not just the moment. He gives you Himself. We confess in the bread and the wine are His very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. The Word of God. Spoken to you and for you that through you the world might be saved. There's something significant when a group of people share a meal together. And we share this meal with him. Seated at the table. He gives you true joy. As he prays to his Father, thy will be done, and it is for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us true joy comes from you. True joy comes from being obedient to you, being dependent on you, and by giving ourselves away as Jesus gave himself away. Help us to remain in your love so that we might share your love with our family and our friends and everyone we meet. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.